Founding support for The Reading Life comes from Octavia Books. Additional support comes from the Hellas Foundation and the Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities, the state affiliate of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Hello and welcome to The Reading Life, your weekly look at the Louisiana literary scene. I'm Susan Larson. This week we'll be talking with award-winning novelist and Tulane University professor Jasmine Ward. Her new book is Let Us Descend. University professor Jasmine Ward is shaping American literature about the Black experience. A two-time National Book Award winner for Salvage the Bones in 2011 and Sing Unburied Sing in 2017, she is also a MacArthur Fellow and the youngest winner of the Library of Congress Prize for American Fiction. Her most recent book, Let Us Descend, is an Oprah Book Club pick. Jasmine lives in DeLille, Mississippi, where she grew up. Jasmine Ward, I'm so happy to talk with you about this beautiful book. I'm I'm happy as well. It's good to be here. Now, you've described your education in African-American history and how you came late to writers like Anne Moody and Richard Wright and James Baldwin, but you filled in gaps along the way as they became available to you. And the origin for Let Us Descend came to you in an NPR story about New Orleans history, didn't it? Yeah, I was, um, I was listening to... Um, my local NPR station, which is WWNO, and heard a show that was actually about New Orleans history called Tripod. Mm-hmm. And that particular episode, or the day that I was listening, the episode that I was listening to was actually about the slave pens of New Orleans. And I realized as I was listening to it that I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know anything, you know, um, about the slave pens or the slave markets of New Orleans. Uh, and on that particular show, the historian, I think it was a historian, was being interviewed, and they said that at that time, and this was around seven years ago, eight years ago, mm-hmm. they were saying that at that time, there were only two markers in the city of New Orleans where slave pens had been located, and one of those markers was in the wrong location. And I was just really struck by that. I was struck by that because... It seemed to me that all of the, you know, suffering that, you know, enslaved people had endured in those markets had been erased from the landscape. And so I thought, well, what if I write a story that takes us back to that moment and tries to sort of write that awareness back into public consciousness? I remember Clint Smith saying once that New Orleans, the whole town, is is really a monument to slavery. Not marked, of course, but... No. (laughs) Um, I mean, I can understand that. It makes sense. I've never heard that quote before. Uh, But yeah, it makes sense to me. I mean, it learning, like doing the research that I did after I heard, um, you know, after I heard that show and, and doing the reading that I did about New Orleans and about, you know, about the slave markets and about, you know, the like the plantation stations in and around it, you know, that area. 
um, it definitely made me look at the city differently mm-hmm. um, and just sort of changed my awareness, you know, when I was out in it. Now, Let Us Descend is the story of a young woman from North Carolina who's sold into slavery here in Louisiana. And getting to New Orleans is a substantial part of the story, describing the ways slaves walked across land and swam or struggled across water tied to each other. And talk about writing the grim physical reality of that. That must have been exhausting to imagine and and recreate. When I think of someone walking barefoot for so long, you know, it just does me in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was emotional. It's, you know, I, one of the things that I wanted to do when I wrote about, you know, because the main character's name is Annis. So she's this young slave woman, and you know, she takes this journey from the Carolinas to New Orleans. And so one of the things that I wanted to do is I wanted to crowd the reader into her experience, right? So like, and using strong, like, sensory details and imagery over and over and over again in order to, in order to do that. And I, I realized while I was writing, you know, the rough draft, and then afterwards, when I would go back in and and I would revise that it it was taxing, right? So mm-hmm. To sink back in to that experience again with Annis in the pages. But I don't know. I just, I, part of the reason that I wanted to do it is because I feel like it's very easy for us to remove ourselves from that, from that experience and from that history and to sort of think about enslaved people as being just very distant from us and very separate from us. So I was hoping right, that like paying attention to the details and making, you know, Annis's journey feel like a lived experience, that that would move us closer, right, to Annis and to that experience and and enable us to feel in part like we've lived it, like we've been mm-hmm. close to that exhaustion, we've been close to that terror, we've been close to that, that pain. Um, Just delineating the toll on the body, mm-hmm, you right. know, and the mutual dependence of being roped mm-hmm to another person in the water. Mm -hmm. Those are stunning passages. Thank you. Now, the title of the book is quite literal. Annas Mm -hmm. descends and descends even into the earth itself. And the title comes from Dante, of course. Mm -hmm. So could you describe the moment of of choosing the title, of knowing that was your direction? Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's funny because I, it's hard for me to pinpoint that that moment <laughs> because my titles are always works in progress. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes me a long time to find a title. Um, I usually, uh, I usually craft a list, you know, uh. when I, of, you know, poetic language that might seem like it might be a good title and that it applies to the book and that it, you know, I don't know, tells the reader something about the book before, you know, they uh, open it. And so I actually had a list, and Lettuce Descend was on that list because I had referred to, you know, referred to uh, Dante's Inferno like several times and had found that, you know, bit of poetry, and I thought that might make a good title. But I hadn't, it took me a long time to get to a place where I, where it felt right, you know, mm-hmm. like where I committed to, to, um, to that title. But I try, I've been, you know, with all my novels, my titles have, they've been action titles, right? So they've been, mm-hmm. you know, titles where there's sort of a, 
you know, a, a command and an invitation. Right. Uh, um, and so I thought that that was that that was appropriate, right? To Annis's that was appropriate to Annis's story. That was. You know, that was how I felt when I got to the words in the text of the novel. You say, let us descend. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the beginning and you feel like, okay, here we go. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're in it now. And there's right. an exhortation kind of mm-hmm. feeling to right. it to me. Right. So it works. I mean, <laughs> it just works. It's a call to action. Now, this is this is really a new way of seeing New Orleans in fiction. And I, I wonder how much of it you knew and how much you had to research. I mean, we talk about the gritty, raw reality of slavery here and the way the way free people of color do not acknowledge the enslaved, for example. That's one thing Annis noticed, of course, quite painfully, and in general, the horrible treatment. But how much did you have to read and research to go back and recreate that? I researched all of it because I really, I mean, when I began working on Let Us Descend, I realized that I knew nothing about, you know, American slave, chattel slavery in general and specifically, you know, the, what New Orleans was like during that time um, when slavery was such a um, such an integral part of of the city. Like, I, I knew nothing about any of it. And so I actually spent two years researching and just reading book after book after book mm-hmm. and like stumbling from one book to another. I should have availed myself of the, you know, expertise of librarians, but unfortunately I did not. Um, so yeah, just like read and read and read. And, uh, but yeah, it took, it took a lot of reading for me to get to a place where I felt comfortable with, with like crafting a version of the city, you know, what it might have been like back then. Um, mm-hmm. You know, actually, the that that detail about the free people of color sort of ignoring um, the enslaved—that one was something. I think that that was something that I that was born of my imagination. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I mean, I did do some reading, but I I think that in that moment, it sort of felt right for mm-hmm. them for the free people of color to ignore the enslaved because it seemed like that would be one of the only ways that they could continue to operate in the world. Yeah. You know, pseudo free people at the same time that the enslaved were moving through that world. It just, it it just seemed right. Mm -hmm. And it stopped me in my tracks to think, Oh, Oh my goodness. If you're just joining us, we're talking with Jasmine Ward, whose new novel is Let Us Descend. Now, you've often said you write toward what hurts. You write toward the pain. And in Salvage the Bones, there's the terrible aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. In Sing, Unburied Sing, there's the treatment of imprisoned children who were re-enslaved. And when you get to Let Us Descend, which is really your first historical fiction in a way, Mm-hmm. You're writing toward what people call America's original sin. Did you right. did you feel that way as you were writing? I did. I did. I mean, I've you know I've like uh, I did feel that way. I mean, I've 
I think, <laughs> especially considering, I don't know, like much of what we what I've seen occurring in like the political arena, you know, what's occurring right now with book bannings, you mm-hmm. know, in schools and libraries, like it just seemed to me that 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 there's this a, a push, you know, for decades to to move us away from that acknowledgement or to disavow that, right? That this is our original sin. And uh and so I did. I wanted to write right towards it. I mean I feel like and I know that it's painful for people to to sit with it. You know, I mean mm-hmm. I've I I understand that, but I think one, I think that it's necessary for us to fully understand, more fully understand who we are in this moment in time and the world that we live in in this moment in time. And two, I think, you know, I'm, I'm not a horror writer, right? Like I would hope that my audience would trust me enough to know that even though I write towards painful um, realities that I won't leave you in a hopeless and helpless situation. Like I won't leave the reader there. I won't leave the characters there. Right. That there, at least my understanding of the world and my rendering of the world, that hope always exists. Um, and resistance yeah. always lifts you up. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You know, that sense of the using the power you have. Mm-hmm. But it's also an act of love, which is is painful. Mm-hmm. Right. It is. It is. You know, but I, I, I just, I felt like, I felt like, you know, one thing that I, something that I came to understand as I was working on Let Us Descend was that, you know, was that enslaved people, that they had to have hope right mm-hmm. that they could that they could live to see a better tomorrow right and that they incorporated all kinds of resistance in their everyday everyday day-to-day lives when they were enslaved and i don't know i just i think that that those realizations were really important to me Right, that I had to sort of come to a place where I could understand both of those things, mm-hmm. and that understanding both of those things, I think, helped me in my own and in 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 where I am in my life right now. Right, um, you know, it, it helps me to sort of find my way back to hope, um, to understand that that choosing living and choosing to fight and choosing to witness the terrible things um, and then move forward with those. I think that that, you know, that, um, that gave me a template sort of to understand my own life and to, you know, and to move, move towards hope in my own life. Well, there's a tremendous amount of grief in this book, Let Us Descend, as Annis loses so many loved ones, her mother, Mm -hmm. her lovers, practically everyone in her life. And you were experiencing great loss in your personal life at the time of of writing. You lost your longtime partner, the father of your two eldest children. Talk about how 
keeping going in your life and keeping going in this with this book were intertwined. Yeah, they really they really were. I mean, at one point in the you know in the year after I lost my partner, I thought, well, that's it. You know, like I just came to a moment where I thought I was done. I was mm-hmm. possibly done, and. And then I heard this little intuitive voice, you know, that I hear sometimes that said that, you know, that that silencing me is the last thing, you know, that my partner would want, mm-hmm. you know, for me, right? In the wake of his loss. Like, that's the last thing that he would want, um, the last effect that he would want to have on me. And so... I then dove back into writing Let Us Descend and and it was and and so when I dove back into it, that's when I discovered like because I was struggling with my own fresh grief, I think that it gave that that my grief gave me the key to understanding like the most terrible aspects of or one of not the most terrible, but one of the most terrible aspects of enslavement right like that you would that enslave people because they were constantly separated from the people that they loved like mm-hmm. they were constantly you know encountering grief, new grief after new grief after new grief and so that's what they were you know they were trying to navigate you know and for me like one of the hardest things about grief is that it requires you to learn how to live in a new reality without the person that you love and you still love them, right? Right. Um, and so, you know, and so, and so I think, you know, I, when I went back into the book, I understood that one of the things that, one of the big challenges for Annis in the book would be, you know, would be that she would, she's trying to find her way towards, like, she's trying to, like, even envision, right, and uh, get to a point where she can even envision or embrace this idea that she could live a new reality without this person that she loves, right? <laughs> you know, and for me, sorry, That's at least okay. the way that I understood it, like that requires a, a certain amount of hope, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that that sort of different reality even exists. If you're just joining us, we're talking with Jasmine Ward, whose new novel is Let Us Descend. You've spoken a lot about the difficulty of of writing about a character with no physical agency. Mm-hmm. And it but it seems to me that all your books, when you look at them, are about spiritual agency hmm. at rock bottom. Yeah. You know, they're they've become entrapped in various situations, but spiritual agency brings them home. Huh. I um actually I hadn't thought about that. I mean, I had thought about that in reference to this book, but hadn't really thought about that, you know, in 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 reference to my others. I don't know. I think um you know, I think that that I think I think that that can that 
can be true. Um, you, <laughs> you can know, say you're wrong. It's okay. Yeah, no, 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 no. I think I think it can be true because <sighs> you know, like I think I because I haven't had the time to think about it before now, sort of doing sure. it on the fly. Uh, but I, I don't know. I do. I think that that can be true. I think like when I think about all my characters and the people, just the people that are who I write about. I mean, even in even in my memoir, you know, we're sort of we're all of all of us <laughs> are constrained physically in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. And are bound right. by, you know, the place that we come from um, and the systems in place where we come from in different ways. And so, so it makes sense to me, like when you say that 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 that's like a recurring, you know, theme in in, in my work, probably because. You know, because I'm attempting to work it out, I think, in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, when I think, you know, when I think about what it feels like to read your books, you know, it's like, well, it does have its roller coaster aspect. But by the end, I always feel my heart lifting hmm. somehow, yeah. you know, which is a great gift for you to give your reader. Thank you. I mean, that's what I'm, you know, I I think that goes back to what I said earlier about hope. Like I, Mm -hmm. because I don't, I, because honestly, I don't think that, you know, that the kind of people that I write about and the kind of people that I'm from, that we could live the lives that we do and thrive in spite of everything if we did not have hope. And so I, so it's important to me, you know, that my fiction um, and even my nonfiction, you know, that it reflects that. Yeah, you said that living in Delil, the small town where you grew up, keeps you honest. Now, what do you yeah. mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> because I think, I mean, I, you know, I don't know if I'll be here forever. You know, like I'm here right now, and and I do think that being here is serving my work in a way because because it does keep me honest because I'm living around the the, pe- the kind of people who I write about. Right. Right. And so I think it's easier for me to, it's easier for me to remember that part of what I'm doing in my work is bearing witness. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and I think it's hard for, it would be easier for me to be dishonest about it and not bear witness if I, if I did not live here, you know, if I, you know, moved away and if I, um, I don't know, just like didn't live around the kind of people, you know, the kind of people who I write about who are living paycheck to paycheck and who, you know, who struggle, right, throughout the the wheel of the year to just, you know, to make it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think living here just keeps me honest about that because I'm constantly, you know, seeing it and, you know, and members of my own family and people who I care about. And yeah, I mean, I do what I can to help, but I think, I think one of the ways that I do that I try to sort of lift the people I care about is by bearing witness to them and writing about them. And they give you love and support too for your life. Yes. Right. right. So don't pack up and move. <laughs> Don't worry us like that. I mean, <laughs> we want to keep you the hometown writer, you know, right? Because we love that we love your book so much. Oh, we've been talking with Jasmine Ward, whose amazing new novel is "Let Us Descend." 
If you want to hear Jasmine speak in person, you can see her at the upcoming New Orleans Book Festival at Tulane University in March. Jasmine, thank you so much. Thank you. Here's what's on tap in the literary life this week. Mona Lisa Foster signs her novel Threading the Needle, Friday, January 19th at 6 at Garden District Bookshop. Alexandra Navarre Davis presents a story time. Rise and shine, it's Mardi Gras time. Saturday, January 20th at 11 a.m. at Garden District Bookshop. Elisa M. Speranza discusses All's Fair in Love and War. Italian POWs in New Orleans during World War II. Sunday, January 21st at 2 at Deutsch's House, 1700 Moss Street. Danny Cherry Jr. discusses and signs his new book, Pike Boys. Monday, January 22nd at 6 at Blue Cypress Books. George J. Johnson discusses his book, All Boys Aren't Blue, with Jumata Emil, author of Wonder in the Dark. Tuesday, January 23rd at 6 at Baldwin & Company. There will be a ride-along with Jamie Attenberg and Katie Simpson-Smith in celebration of the release of A Thousand Words, a writer's guide to staying creative, focused, and productive all year round. Thursday, January 25th at 6 at Blue Cypress Books. And remember, coming up, Ibram X. Kendi discusses his work Saturday, January 27th at 3 at Baldwin & Company. This is a ticketed event. Founding support for The Reading Life comes from Octavia Books, with major support from Rouse's Markets. Additional support comes from the Hellas Foundation, the Jefferson Parish Public Library, and the Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities, the state affiliate of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Any views, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in The Reading Life do not necessarily represent those of the National Endowment for the Humanities. The theme song for The Reading Life is by Matt Perrine and Sunflower City. The Reading Life is produced by George Ingmeyer and is a production of WWNO. You can listen to us anytime or subscribe to our podcast at wwno.org. And you can email us at thereadinglife at wwno.org. Understanding of justice is what love looks like in public anyway. Definitely. But then to be able to talk about this present uh, historical I think we had to begin by juxtaposing age.